This is the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast, session number 95, Luke Howard on Hypnotic Feelings. Welcome to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast with Jason Lynette, your professional resource for hypnosis training and outstanding business success. Here's your host, Jason Lynette. Jason Lynette here, and thank you so much once again for joining me here on the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast. If you're brand new to this, well, simply hop online to worksmarthypnosis.com and check out the previous 94 sessions. And if you're back again, well, good to have you here. And the wonders of our modern digital era uh, at various hypnosis conventions over the years have kind of developed the catchphrase that I meet someone in person for the first time, and the phrasing is, yeah, but we're already best friends on Facebook, that it's so easy to get connected with people, so easy to interact with people, even so easy at times to do business with people and, you know, create programs with people that chances are you get to, whether it's the NGH convention, HypnoThoughts, uh, Mid-America Hypnosis, any of these events, and you're suddenly meeting in person for the first time. And it's as if you've already known that person. So briefly, I share the story, and I may have mentioned this before that uh, there I was attending one of my very first hypnosis conventions years ago, the very first time I went to the NGH convention. And it was the experience of reaching out to people that I had already known of as rock stars in the profession and just the welcoming that was already there. So if there's someone whose content you're enjoying, whether it's their book, whether it's their training, whether it's the videos they put up online, the four of us who seem to be doing podcasts, <laughs> uh, any of this, you know, reach out to us, reach out to that person person that you want to have that interaction with because the conversation doesn't have to begin only because you're now face to face. So brings us full circle to this conversation you're about to hear with Luke, that Luke Howard is a guy that I have known of for a couple of years now, and not just because he's bought my products. Thank you, Luke. No, but because we've interacted online, I've seen some of the work that he's done and the wonders of uh, circumstance that this past uh, August 2016 at, out in Vegas at HypnoThoughts, suddenly I see, oh, Luke's here. He's speaking and just made it a point had to be in the room. And again, the story of continuing a conversation that had already been in motion uh, of a very similar approach, a very similar mindset. And just when you listen to this guy, we could have gone on for hours. Uh, the, the approach to change that what I love about this is always is breaking the mold taking those things that we're supposed to do or we're seemingly supposed to do and bending these realities in such a way. What I want to highlight for you before you listen to this conversation with Luke is that there's something that he hits on that's a theme that's really summed up the last couple of years for me. And it comes down to the simple difference between showing versus telling. That as hypnotists, as Luke says, as I've said before, we all talk way too damn much sometimes. We all explain things to the point that we can't explain them any further. And that's very often sometimes a good strategy, yes, though sometimes it's not the right strategy. And rather than just telling, sometimes we just got to show. We got to give the experience. And you're going to hear some specific stories that Luke is going to share here, whether it's client sessions, whether it's business networking, whether it's the he's at a bar and someone suddenly says, you're a hypnotist, and he seizes that opportunity beautifully. So if I'd encourage any point of view to go into this, 
It's to ask yourself, how can I step into a more showing mentality, a more experiential, a more, as the session is titled, hypnotic feeling strategy. So with that, let's jump right in. This one's fantastic. Get ready for session number 95, Luke Howard on Hypnotic Feelings. So kind of tell us the story of how it was you got into hypnosis. Yeah. So when I was a teenager, I was very messed up. I had every kind of problem you can imagine. I was agoraphobic. I was obese, had a horrible relationship with my parents, had no friends, got bullied at school, um, went through all types of therapy, nothing uh, worked, psychotherapy, counseling, this kind of stuff. Uh, I was just lost. I was just miserable. I knew I had something inside. I knew I had something special inside, but I did not have a way to demonstrate it. And um, one day, um, I was reading a newspaper in the UK called The News of the World. It's now defunct. It doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. But it was a, our, our biggest um, Rupert Murdoch newspaper that came out on a Sunday. And I'm, and I'm scanning through the back of it, and then there's this ad for this uh, audio tape so it was in, in the mid-90s. So it was audio tapes, no MP3s, anything like that. And it was for an audio cassette called Supreme Self-Confidence. And it was by a guy called Paul McKenna that I'm sure you've never heard of before. And... Um, it's 20 bucks as you know it's 20 yeah 10 uk pounds you had to send a check off didn't have a checkbook so i got my sister to cut me a check it took like 21 days for this uh, audio tape to arrive but because i'd seen this guy on network tv for five years doing these hypnotic shows I'm like, well, this stuff must work because he's getting people to dance around like Michael Jackson and sing like Madonna at a click of his fingertips. So, and he's on TV. So this stuff must be real. So I eagerly waited that cassette. It came. I had the full belief that it was going to fix everything where everything else failed in my life. And I listened to it religiously every day, 22 minutes side A, 22 minutes side B. <laughs> For 21 days, and that stupid, generic audio recording um, had more impact on me in changing my life than, than anything that came before it. So then I was like, wow, this silly, generic audio cassette that's one size fits all had this effect on me. What if I learned this stuff for real? So then I spent the uh, next half of my life, the next 18 years traveling the world, training with the best people around, um, making up stuff. And um, here I am. That's the short version. I love it. I love it. So going through that experience, though, I mean, what was it that, um, to rewind it back, here was this offer, you had seen him on TV. Uh, what was, let's, let's go back to this. What was the expectation of what the hypnosis would actually do for you? The expectation at that time was it, it's real. It's going to change my life because it, I, I've seen it. I've seen this guy on TV. And, you know, as a teenager, as a kid, like, well, if it's on TV, it must be real. I'm like, well, he's making people do all these things. It seems like some kind of magical power. And when I got that tape, I've got to be honest with you, I, I, I don't remember anyone ever saying nice things to me. So when I put that tape on the first time, it was the first time I heard a voice that was giving me any positive affirmations about anything. So I guess it kind of melted my heart a little bit at that point, and it just kind of seeped in. And, um, yeah, I just had that full expectation that it was going to work, and uh, it did work. 
which let's jump forward then. So that was your experience when you were on the client side, even though it was uh, the cassette tape. Because of that experience, is there anything from that that has now influenced directly how you work with your own clients? Mm, yeah, good good question. Um, you know what? I think sometimes we can we can make hypnosis as complicated or as simple as we want to make it. And I don't know if you're guilty of this. I, I certainly am. I, I mm. learn more and more stuff. I get more and more information, neuroscience, everything. You know, read these studies. It's all amazing. It's great to be educated. But sometimes we overcomplicate things. Yeah. When really, for me, I'm like, how can we make everything easier? For me, the, the, the perfect hypnosis session would be someone comes in with that full belief that something is going to change. Something is going to happen. I simply say, close your eyes. I count from 10 down to one. I give them the positive suggestion of you will be happy or whatever whatever it is they want in their life. I count them out. The session's done in five minutes. In my perfect world, that's what I want. And that's that's the point of which I want to simplify. Yeah, it's easy for me to say. <laughs> the hypnosis I do with people, take out everything that's not needed and just do it fast, do it rapid, have it long-lasting, and just, just take all the nonsense out that's, that's not needed. Now, there's something to be said about bringing it back to the simplicity. And yes, all these tools are valid when they serve their purpose, but sometimes you know, it's that experience of using them for the sake of using them. Well, I was told I have to use this technique, which when you're matching what your client expectation was when you were listening to that audio versus what the what the client coming into our offices are coming in with. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I spent many years using systems that, you know, as a hypnotist, I I, I steal from everyone. I steal from the best. <laughs> we call that, we do, call that modeling excellence. Yes, we do. Exactly. <laughs> that's, that's, that's my line. Thank you very much. Totally. So I, st I steal from the best. The only originality that I bring to anything in my life, as any of us do, is it goes for our own filters our own internal filters and the way that we present that information to people is going to be a little bit different to the next person. So I had a system, many systems that I used, and I was told that this system worked well for everyone all of the time. It was the one size that fits all. Mm -hmm. And I was drinking a Kool-Aid back then. And so <laughs> if the system didn't work, I was always like, well, the client's resistant. The, the client doesn't want to change enough. And I would always kind of blame the client. And after a while, I started to look at the system and be like, well, well, maybe it isn't about one size fits all. So really what I did was, like I said, I simplified everything. But also I realized that when, when, when people come into our office, most of the time the only knowledge they have of hypnosis is, is, is shows they've been to or TV shows they, they may have seen at some point. And, and a lot of hypnotists, and I was very, very guilty of this. I took all the magic out of it because mm -hmm. I'm a hypnotherapist. I'm not a hypnotist. I'm not going to humiliate you or do that stuff that they do on stage. I'm going to look after you. I'm going to be ethical. I'm just going to talk to your unconscious mind. And I realized that oftentimes clients would leave my office and have to change, but they would feel like nothing happened. Yeah. An example of this is I did a stop smoking session with someone. They sent me a really angry email six months later being like, you're a phony you're a fraud. Oh, I can't believe I wasted all that money with you. I didn't feel hypnotized. So I wrote back to them. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. How many cigarettes are you smoking now? They were smoking about uh, 35, 40 a day. And they're like, no, I'm not smoking. I haven't smoked for six months, but you didn't hypnotize me. Hmm. 
And I'm like, mm, there's a difference between <laughs> the result and someone being satisfied. Ooh. So now, yeah, being satisfied, because they might not even get the result that they think that they want, but they're satisfied. They might get the result they paid you for, but not be satisfied. It's a weird thing. So now what I do is um, I I put a lot of it, it's, it's what my talk at HypnoThoughts is going to be actually at the conference. It's, it's about putting the magic back into your hypnosis practice. So really, really taking some of these great things from great stage hypnotists, people like Justin Trance, taking these things that they do, but but putting them into the session so the client feels before the hypnosis has already begun technically, they think it's when they close their eyes. We know it's something different, but magical things start to happen. Um, you know, we call them convincers, hypnotic phenomenon. I know you've got a product on it as well, which is amazing that I own, but putting this magic in, you can pay me for that plug later, but putting <laughs> that magic in so they start to see and experience things that are different. So like, well, if my fingers are coming together, if my hands are coming together, if my hand is raising all by itself, if my eyes won't open, if my body is swaying and I'm losing balance and this guy isn't touching me, then um, I'm going to leave and be a non-smoker or I'm going to leave and not have that problem anymore because those other seven things happened that apparently happened out of my control. Yeah. Yeah. Which again, let's go into that because I share, I think you've heard me say this before, the the feeling to those moments of magic that um, many people in hypnosis don't use them. And one of the reasons is that they think, well, what do you do if it doesn't work? To which my response is, well, find better ways to make them work. And yeah. what, what you're referencing is my variation of how I do that. <laughs> the other side of it, though, is that they feel there's not a motivation into that. But again, it's where we could have all of our premises, all of our theories, all of our logic, yet the client experience, the, the story you told was perfect because this guy was coming in and he had an expectation and that wasn't delivered upon. Um, you know, yes, he quit smoking. So yes, that was rightfully reiterated. <laughs> but at the same time, there was something that he was expecting in hypnosis. Absolutely. Yeah. So and, and, and the way that sometimes, you know, our clients will generalize, they will where they will join the dots between the things that we do inside their mind. And sometimes they need to be lovingly pushed uh, to, to make those realizations. So what I often do is when, when a client will come in, I used to spend 40 minutes giving a pre-talk. It was an amazing pre-talk that I continually updated to find better metaphors to explain the process of hypnosis and it sounded really really good i'd speak it i love the sound of my own voice they love <laughs> my beautiful british accent i'd see their eyes glaze over maybe they were bored but they still i i i i'd um i'd uh, fired off the neurology if you will in their conscious mind but we know that what we're doing in hypnosis is, is not a conscious mind action that they're doing so yeah. i was just feeding the thing that i wanted to essentially switch off temporarily so now people come into my office and i, I tell them what i just told you i could spend 40 minutes explaining what hypnosis is to you or i could just do it mm -hmm. what would you prefer Ooh. i'm like you could just do it i'm like sure stand up put your feet together don't move your feet i'm gonna rock your body back and forth i've got you just go where i put you and we start off immediately and i can feel in their body i can feel if there's any tension i can feel if there's any resistance and it just builds up that relationship from the beginning that something is happening within the first minute 
of them coming into my office, something that they thought, oh, this is what hypnosis is. Mm -hmm. This hypnotist has power over me. I don't have power over anyone unless I pull out my gun, and that's why people <laughs> don't pay me on time. But, 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 like we give away our power. Is it the views of, of the guests do not necessarily reflect that. Yeah, go on. <laughs> there you go. But a lot of times we give away our power, right? We're taught to give away our power. No hypnosis. We can't make you do anything against your control. Oh no, you're in complete control. And I understand why we do that mm -hmm. to put our clients' minds at ease. But I think oftentimes, and I was definitely guilty of this, I'd be like, all oh, hypnosis is self-hypnosis. So if it works, it's because of you. And if it doesn't work, it's because of you as well. But if they truly believe that when they come in, then they wouldn't come in because well, if it's all about me, then why am I paying this guy if it's all about me and I can do it to myself? They're coming to us to be directed in a certain way. So I think it's so important that we put the magic in it, along with all the other cool stuff that we do to make those changes. Now, you're right. There's something really to be highlighted there that they have an expectation coming into it. And I appreciate the modern trend of the process is meant to teach. My induction is a relaxation induction because it teaches my client how to do that. And that's great. However, go back to that initial interaction because the positioning is, it's not a position of weakness. In my opinion, it's a position of strength to acknowledge, here's something I want to do in my life, yet I don't yet know how to do it on my own. So they're going into that interaction with that expectation that this is a guy, this is a girl, this is a person who can help me do this. And to break that expectation from the first interaction is that, you know, the Jerry Kine line of uh, shoot, uh, shoot yourself in the foot hypnosis. Yes. Yeah. No, no, I like that. And I think, uh, yeah, I think a lot of us, a lot of us do that. And now, you know, you know, I took my pre-talk down. I stole a line that I, uh, that I took from you, actually. And uh, what was the line, how I describe hypnosis before I go into the phenomenon? Someone comes into my office, I give them the line about, I could tell you or I could just show you, then I'll do magnetic fingers, maybe mm -hmm. magnetic hands. And I'll say something along the lines of, um, it's automatic reaction in spite of conscious awareness. It's your line. I use your line. Yeah. And I said, it's a great line. And they'll look and they'll be like, oh, that's interesting. And like, should I show you what I mean? They're like, yeah, then Ooh. I'll do magnetic fingers, then hands. And I'll be like, do you see how your fingers just came together? How your hands came together? You didn't try to make that happen. You didn't do it consciously. They're like, no. And you also didn't resist it because you didn't pull apart. They're like, no. And I'm like, you weren't hypnotized, were you? Like, well, no, I don't think so. Because your eyes were open. You could see me. You could hear people coming and leaving in the office building yet something happened that you were watching that you're an observer to that you didn't feel that you were controlling at the time They're like yeah i'm like that's hypnosis so let's play devil's advocate on that moment when they don't touch or let me rephrase it if they don't touch how do you respond to that one i have never i've never had that happen yeah actually um, let me there was no there was i had a interview for uh, a magazine in Toronto, University Magazine, and and I thought I was going to go in there and talk about World Hypnotism Day, um, but but I came a week later. It was a bit late, so I came in there and I asked them what they wanted me to do, and the guy's like, "Well, you know, maybe you could do some hypnosis on me." I'm like, "Okay, sure." I'm like, "I just really want to do phenomenon. I didn't want to do therapy with the guy, but he's like, "Yeah, I bite my nails. Can you help me with that?" I'm like, "Sure." So then I set it up with magnetic fingers. You know, we know magnetic, it's, 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 it's going to work. You mm -hmm. know, magnetic fingers, are always good, unless they deliberately don't let it work. 
it always works. So I set up magnetic fingers. I tell him, don't try, you know, don't consciously make it happen. I don't want you to try and please me and just consciously move your fingers and I'll demonstrate it. But also when your fingers start to move and they will move and I yeah. demonstrate it, don't, don't resist it. Don't pull them apart. Just go with it. Just watch it. It's going to be a cool thing, right? I set it up like that. The guy starts to do it. The fingers start to move as they always do. Then I see him pull his fingers away. Mm -hmm. I'm like, ah, okay, we got a problem already. Uh, I, I'm just, I let him do it one more time and he does it again. I stop him like, do you see what you just did there? Yeah. He's like, what? Did you see that your fingers started to move? Did you see that? He's like, yeah. I'm like, did you see just before they touched, you pulled them away? He's like, yeah. I'm like, don't do that. Just <laughs> let it happen all by itself. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we, we, we need to, you know, reframe it. But I think it's how you, you pre-frame it, how you set it up. You're watching it. You're watching the movement. But if you can just get that at the beginning, if you can see that there's a little bit of resistance, which we know is usually fear, right at the beginning, and you can eliminate that within the first minute or two so it doesn't come up again rather than it starts coming up 45 minutes into the session. Yeah. And you've, you know, you've got your next client waiting outside and you've got to wrap it up, but they're in the middle of their shit, technical word. You know, you might be, you might be scrambling a little bit there, but if you can get those things early and just wipe them out, you know, it's better to uh, inoculate against it rather than put the fire out. Right. You know, it's all about building that expectation inside of the process, but you also alluded there to, you know, in a respectful way, taking control of the process, which, you know, too many people play the game. I learned this back in the old stage management career in theater, the, the manager who would play the game of what was called, quote, look, don't see. Yes. Where something would happen and we would ignore it. Something would happen and we go, well, the prop's not on the table. They'll probably figure it out. Yet meanwhile, suddenly they're on stage and this essential scene is not happening because that thing was not there. Yeah. And it's even worse in the later part to go, well, I didn't see it there, so I assumed it was fine. Or here's a moment where, you know, you're doing a Dave Elman induction, perhaps, and their eyes pop open at the first phase. And yes. I, I've heard too many people go, well, you know, I just let them relax because I want the process to be easy at the beginning. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I've had that happen before. And in the old days, I, I'd kind of be like, well, what do I do now? Because that's the only way I've got of gluing someone's eyes closed. And if I bring more awareness to it not working, uh, it makes me look like a phony or a fraud or incompetent. Mm -hmm. So now I've got multiple ways of doing it. So now if they open their eyes, we ain't moving any further until they learn to lock their eyes mm -hmm. and i don't do it in an angry way with them but i'm just I'll, I'll set them up you know you know um just close your eyes relax your eyes so much so just switch them off blah 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 the usual right. things that i say um and mo about 60 percent of the time it will work mm -hmm. and then sometimes they open their eyes and they open their eyes i'm like great how did that feel like oh well yeah it felt it felt yeah interesting i'm like so you just opened your eyes they're like yeah like, but you already know you can open and close your eyes right that's not something special they're like yeah so now what i want to do and then i'll go into the second version of it which has about an 80 to 90 percent success rate that i would do about wrapping locking a picture that they have in their mind and wrapping a chain around it and putting their arm in the air and having the arm lower so i'm getting them to do multiple things so if it doesn't work, I ain't moving any further until I make it work somehow. And I don't want it. I don't want them to make it work by not testing it. It's like right. I go into the client's head and they're like, "Oh, he, he wanted me to pretend to glue my eyes." So when he asked me to test them, I'm not going to test them because I don't want to upset the hypnotist. Yeah. And I want it to work. 
if I see them not trying it next time, I encourage them and I continue to encourage them to try to open their eyes. To actually really, really notice. Try and open your eyes and notice that you can't. And I'll just stick with it until they have an experience of an eye lock. I had a client who came in this weekend actually and she was I could see she was quite anxious initially and we started to do all these phenomenon things that we're talking about now. They were working great, but we, I couldn't get eye lock with her the first time. Couldn't get eye lock with her with the second version of it. So I'm like, okay, so let's take a step back. And then um, I just showed her what I wanted her to do. Mm -hmm. I'm like, so this is what you did. This is what I want you to do. And I reframe that real control is being able to follow this instruction to prove that you can allow yourself to relax totally and completely, give her back all the control, blah, blah, blah. She did it, worked perfectly. But it took three times of doing it. But in the old days, I would have got angry on some level Maybe I wouldn't be consciously expressing it, but I'd be like, they're wasting my time. They're playing games with me, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I would get angry right inside that I'm sure would project. Now I see it. I'm like, okay, next step. Okay, next step. And I'll, but I'll stay with it. I'll stay with it until I get it. And I, and I don't, like I said, I don't want them to play along with it. I want to see that they're tested it. And I want them to know and have that experiential learning that something changed. And then I'll, once I'll get eye lock, I'll get them to open their eyes and I'll, I'll, I'll interview them about that. How was that different from the last time? Yeah. What, what I love about that is, again, getting into that mindset of we're going to make this work. So let's use that same example then. And let's say it's a client that maybe isn't responding as well as they could. So they've come in for a specific change. Let's assume they're doing better, yet they're not fully there yet. Yes. Okay. So in the old days, I would have, you know, a system that I that I would use. I want to highlight that you keep referring to in the old days. And I love that because again, <laughs> it's where we continuously learn, you know, it's as we're doing this, that, you know, we're getting that feedback loop. And rather than going, this is the way I've done it for the last 10 years. No, um, this worked, but now this works better. <laughs> Oh yeah, Jason. The, the way I do it now, it's probably the same with you. It, uh, it was different six months ago. Six months ago, it's different yeah. from a year ago. A year ago, it's different from two years ago. I'm I'm always wanting to find quicker, more elegant, faster ways uh, of doing what we're doing. So, yeah, if someone would come in and they 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 hadn't made those shifts or anything, again, I'd go back into the thing of blaming the client in my head, like, oh, they're they're just they're just got all this secondary gain. They're wasting time. They want to use me as their next next excuse to foul and all this stuff that's how i used to come at it and i I was really good at doing that Mm -hmm. but then i'm like you know real real mastery of any skill is to be able to do the opposite to have flexibility in our behavior i'm like so why don't i maybe they're not aware that they're doing this so why don't i just ask them what's going on and just listen to the things that they're not saying as well as some of the stuff they're saying and when i would do that stuff would come up they wouldn't be aware of and rather than the script that i had that i was ready or that next technique that i would always have to do in session two i'd throw that script out the window and be like actually you know what they need x and x might be something another technique that you know I hadn't used for many many years from nlp or cbt or another hypnotic technique and to be honest as i often tell my clients i might just make it up mm-hmm. And um, it's what they need in that moment. And it's something that I feel that they need. We do it. And it works more profoundly. Well, in many ways, we are, I I think, in our best approach, making it up as we go. Yet it's that experience meeting with training, meeting with listening to the client, and then matching the whole process together. Exactly. And I think, you know, when, when you've been doing it a long time, 
like we've been doing it, it's you, you start to do that automatically. Whereas when you're beginning, you're like, well, what's step one? What's step two? What's step three? And and it's important to have those stability wheels on your bike when you when you're learning any new skill. But I think you know sometimes if I looked if I look at my sessions, if I if I recorded all my sessions and looked at them, they don't always go smoothly from beginning to end. There's some bumpy patches in there, and all those elegant, beautiful techniques that I want to hit perfectly might not sound perfect. Yet the clients respond to it perfectly and get the change that they want. So at the end of the day, for me, it's like, did they get the result that they want, or at least were they satisfied with the work that we did together? Is there a story that comes to mind of working with a client where, let's say, it did kind of derail, it wasn't quite going as well as you had wanted it to, but then you were able to get it right back on track? Okay, I'll give you this story. So um, I had a guy recently who had a phobia of going to the uh, bathroom in public. In fact, it would fire off. If he was in his car for more than 10 minutes, he would have this overwhelming urge to to go to the bathroom, number one, number two, whatever he's doing within 10 minutes. Uh, he hadn't been able to see his girlfriend for three months. Very intellectual guy. He was a pharmacist. Very, very smart guy. Um, he'd seen doctors and like, there's no physical reason for this. There's nothing wrong with you. But it was, it was really, it, it carried a lot of shame about it. He didn't know how to deal with it. So I had, had, had the screening call over the phone. It went really, really well. You um, paid up front for it. Amazing. Um, and then, um, you know, when it, it's on my website, uh, it's on the contract the client signed. It's in the initial email that, that I send out to them. Uh, when they've signed up to work with me, you know, once people have paid, there is no refund. We're going to do the work together. Once you pay the deposit or money, there's no refund. We're off to the races. You can change session times if you want, but but that's it. So basically, a couple of days later, he um, wanted to, to cancel the sessions because he did because I, I wasn't going to be able to see him for a couple of weeks because I live in Toronto. He lived in Ottawa, um, but he didn't tell me this that he needed it immediately. He also then started, oh, can I can I get my insurance back from this? And he didn't ask me that on the phone. He asked it after he paid it. I'm like, well, I don't know. It's something you need to check after the fact um, with your insurance company uh, if you can reclaim any of this. Long story short, he wanted a refund. I'm like, there is no refund. I'm happy to work with you. I'm happy to do all this work with you, which I know is very, very important to you, but I'm not going to give you a refund. Got very, very upset with me wrote me some angry emails, accused me of all kinds of things, uh, thought I'd never see him again. He went to see a psychologist or another hypnotist, didn't get the result. So then a month later, he emails me back, well, because I can't get my money back, um, I'm going to come and see you. So I'm already thinking this is going to be a nightmare. He's going to be completely resistant. He thinks I've screwed him in some way. Um, this is, this is going to be horrible. So, we, <laughs> so I'm like, ugh. So he comes in and we do the hypnosis to begin with and um, he comes in the next day and he comes in the next day and I'm ready for it. Right? I'm ready for him to say, oh, nothing worked and this is a crock of shit, whatever. And he comes in and he starts to tell me about these profound changes that have happened already that now he's just been in the car for 45 minutes because he wanted to test this problem that he had to see if it was real. And remember, we had no rapport going into this, right? He thought I was a con man, essentially. And, and and so I'm like, he had a couple more sessions. And you know what he said to me? He's like, I wish I'd just come to see you at the beginning rather than go and see these other people. 
I'm like, you know what? I feel exactly the same. But yeah, he, we went into it, a tremendous resistance. But when he started to get the changes against that resistance, it was amazing. It kind of blew my mind as well. Which brings to mind, I mean, there's so many moments I can think of, of here I am with a client where I was perhaps wrongfully in my head, you know, doubting the motivation. There's a guy I'm working with right now that uh, just eventually I learned this is just who he is that uh, everything on the phone was, wow, that cost is really high. You know, what can you do for this? What can you do for that? And I honestly had sent him a message just going, you know, every interaction has been about me rather than about you and your goal. So I've just got to say, please understand, I'm actually someone who doesn't screen as heavily as others do. I mean, in the, the, the favorite quote is from Michael Elner, which would be, you're only taking the easy ones. You know, they're they're coming mm, yeah. up with their own um, – it, it's very often some kind of defense mechanism um, as to whatever it would be. But this is a guy that I was just in my head, no, he's not ready, and turned out to just be rock star client, video testimonials mm. about to go up on the website, um, yeah. which, again, it, it's – it kind of goes to the side of where you kept referring to your old hypnosis self that, you know, the the old phrase used to be resistant client and really it's that of the inflexible practitioner. Yeah. So it's calling ourselves out on our own BS at times, calling ourselves out on, well, this is how it's supposed to go. No, I'm supposed to give that 45 minute pre-talk. That's what I'm supposed to do. And as you referenced, they were glazing over and not in the way that you wanted them to. Exactly. Yeah, no, no, totally. And um, I think, you know, as any good hypnotist, hypnotherapist, stage hypnotist, street hypnotist, is like like in the old days, there would be karate in martial arts, there would be judo, there would be um, tie fighting. Um, and and the, the tie fighter would say, my system is better than karate. And the karate practitioner would say, my system is better than judo. And eventually MMA, mixed martial arts came along and were like, well, we can steal a bit of this, a bit mm-hmm. of this, a bit of this to make an ultimate fighter. And that's the way I kind of look at hypno- hypnosis. Is If we can get a little bit of that stage persona, we get a little bit of that street persona and a little bit of that hypnotherapy along with some other stuff and, and we combine it so we can go in any directions. Because for me, the ultimate, the ultimate kind of, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Maybe mastery of any skill is is you can do it on someone who's kind of not expecting it. Meaning like the David Blaine in the old days, not not now that he's a megastar, but but the street magic stuff and the street hypnotist stuff, where they haven't paid you a, a bunch of money to come in and, and, and fix their problem. They haven't bought a ticket to a show. They're simply walking from A to B. Hypnotist comes out of nowhere. And then starts eliciting amazing responses in people who didn't expect it. For me, that's kind of like, that's a beautiful thing to do. And I always urge people that who are in this field, go and do a bit of stage. Go and do some street hypnosis to really hone what you do and then just combine it all together. Well, there's the phrase of uh, Jeffrey Ronning had the line about uh, the the Navy SEAL hypnotist that to jump into these types of arenas that he would give the advice of go to a show in a place that normally doesn't book entertainment and doesn't have a stage. Mm, okay, and if you can, <laughs> and if you can pull it off there, you're going to be pretty unstoppable. You know, for for us to go into and yes, I say this as this is a big part of my business to go into a, this week. Uh, it got delayed due to snow. But here I am about to jump into a stage hypnosis show for a bunch of 17-year-olds at a high school at midnight, and they're going to be wound up on caffeine, and they're going to be wound up on sugar and everything else they've been doing that night as a party. Yeah, I, I don't have to work hard. Um, yeah. Here's the one coming in by way of, let's, let's put that into the hypnotherapy context. 
here's, um, you know, we, we talk about word of mouth and sometimes you get the mouth. And here's this guy who came in recently and I think today is actually made up entirely of clients that he has now since referred. Um, awesome. I'm not having to work hard with those people. Yet yeah. it's that one coming and I may be guilty of this because I've built my business specifically targeting people who are already looking for hypnosis. I've already yeah. got that confirmation bias in place and it's working really well for me. But at the yeah. same time to to completely shift that expectation, um, you know, my phrasing is that we're bending their reality. We're breaking the old reality and helping them to install a new one. Very good. I uh, I should probably trademark it before I say it on your show. But <laughs> I, I have an idea to start calling myself the mind whisperer. I like it. Yes. I like it. It's already been filed on my side. Good luck. You Americans. I know. I know. Although I've sensed it's a longer story, but found out that a trademark is about as good as the participation award for the losing soccer team, uh, at least there in the US. Go. Yeah. It's the it's the gatekeeper prior to the copyright, but that's a whole longer conversation. Was there, was there a specific inspiration, uh, whether it's a book, a, a trainer, an instructor that helped to build this renaissance in terms of how you approach your process nowadays? Yeah, you know what? Nowadays is, like I said, I steal from a lot of people. And over the last couple of years, I, I, I've gone this way, I've gone this way, I've gone this way. But the, the person who's made the, the, the biggest impact in how I do things now, at least a lot of what I do now, probably somebody that, that doesn't get, doesn't, I don't believe gets enough respect in the hypnosis community is a fella by the name of Justin Trance. And uh, no, I've, I've watched a lot of his stuff and, and I'm like, you know, that's really. It's like that. I want to be doing magic with people, essentially, right? I want, and I want them to feel the magic and do the therapy, kind of behind the scenes. So, yeah, I think this this renaissance, as you say, is a lot of the stuff is you know stuff that I've um, lovingly stolen from. I paid him Justin Trance <laughs> to, uh, to to take some of this stuff. Yeah. No, I mean it comes from that respect of this is how it should look. If I could really do this, what would it look like? Yes. Which goes back to the David Blaine reference that part of David Blaine's success was that for the first time, the camera was being turned on the audience. And magicians around the world were going, yeah, but I can do that card trick. Here, watch. Yet he wasn't the guy who just walked to you, uh, walked up to you on the street and said, think of a card or, hey, watch this and suddenly floated off the ground. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It, it all seems very, very simple, right? Some of these great ideas, you know, that happen, but it's just that we we didn't have the idea, or we had the idea, but we didn't action it. Yeah, yeah. So putting it into action. Uh, I've also heard you lovingly refer to a book that I love as well of provocative therapy. Provocative therapy, yeah. And you know what? Frank Farley's got some great stuff, but uh, I'm sure you've probably heard of Jürgen Rasmussen, who's got um, provocative hypnosis and provocative suggestion. He's got some really good stuff that I've uh, that I've modeled from him over the time as well, and, I, and I've liked a lot of his approaches to things as well um, that I've that I've used in the work that I do. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So then let's rewind it back then. And we've got a good idea of someone comes into your office and immediately you're into a hypnotic moment. Immediately you're into something of an experiential nature. How does the rest of the process play out for you? Yeah. So so typically now I, I, I stack it very, very heavy with hypnotic phenomenon mm -hmm. at the beginning. I love to talk. Right? I'm very, very auditorily driven yet i i find again from that, that, I, that I take from um justin trance is it's about 
not thinking it's about feeling yes and i'll tell people is you know um if you could fix this consciously you wouldn't be here right now so today isn't about you thinking anything if you want to analyze anything that's fine but you're going to do it tomorrow morning because today you're going to feel something because mm. it's all about feeling so to begin with actually I'll, I'll actually i start to do muscle testing uh, that i that i stole that i modeled sorry <laughs> from um oh uh, ken guso that I, that I took from Ken Guso, so they'll come in and I'll muscle test them. I'll, I'll get them to hold their arm out to their side and I'll, I'll talk about, look, look, make your arm really, really strong. Don't let me push it down. Have two fingers. Can't push it down. I'll then do a motion with my hand and their hand comes down and their arm comes down rapidly. I'm like, wow, it's as if all your energy just, just, just disappeared and left you your strength. That doesn't happen all the time. I'll get them to hold up their arm again. Maybe it was a fluke. Don't let me push down. I can't push down. I'll do another gesture or I just touch them on their forehead all their energy and their muscle and their strength will go away and already they're in that wow moment like what the hell this <laughs> guy's doing some voodoo on me and they're already they're already like something's happening here <laughs> they might not know how it relates to removing their problem but something's happened um then what i might do from there is i'll give them that one sentence that i took from you about hypnosis um, basically the definition definition I use is like uh, automatic reaction in spite of uh, conscious awareness. I'll do a magnetic fingers. I'll do a magnetic hand. I'll compliment their unconscious mind. Do you see how strong your unconscious mind is? Do you see how strong hypnosis is? Like, yeah, I'm like, you're not hypnotized, are you? Like, no, I'm like, what just happened? Like, I don't know. Did you do some kind of energy? Why did my hands move? I'm like, you didn't do that consciously, did you? Like, no, it just happened. I'm like, you're just going to let hypnosis happen to you today. See, because you've tried so long and so hard to quit smoking, to lose weight, to let go of this sadness. You've tried. And that trying was very, very valiant that you tried tried but it hasn't worked for you so today your struggle and the trying stops and just as your fingers came together just as your hands come together and whatever else i did with them you're just going to allow it to happen and observe it happen for you and they start to get that then i'll get them to stand up and uh, i'll do do a sway where i'll sway someone's body back and forth <laughs> I'll then do some magic that I stole from Justin Trance <laughs> where, where I'll say, feel this, and they'll completely lose their balance and fall forward or fall back, which is really cool. <laughs> I'll make their arm move up all by itself without touching it, and their eyes are open. I'm like, what's happening? Like, I don't know, but my arm's moving up all by itself. And I'm like, yeah, and as you continue to watch it, it's going to go higher and higher. So their mind's getting blown by all this stuff. I've already, I already know what their problem is because we've had a 30-minute screening call. They've filled out a comprehensive questionnaire. I know why they're there. And I tell them on the phone, when you fill out that screening form, spill the beans, put everything on that form because that's the last time we really talk about your problem. So now when they come in, we don't really talk about their problem anymore. Then, um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll ask them a scale of one to ten, how big is your problem, your smoking, craving, your craving for this food, your sadness, whatever it is. They'll give me a number. They'll say it's an eight. I'll muscle test it. And uh, <laughs> their, 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 their body will often tell them a completely different number. Like if someone comes in and say they want to quit smoking, I'll say, hold out your arm and say you want to quit smoking. Don't let me push down. And they say, yeah, I want to quit smoking. And their arm comes all the way down, indicating a no in muscle testing. And they'll be like, no, but I really want to quit smoking. I'm like, well, tell your arm that. So then I'll give them some metaphors. Um, I'll then do a rapid induction. I never used to do rapid inductions, but I find that um, they love it. They love it. So I'll, I'll do a rapid induction oftentimes where I'll take somebody to the ground. 
um, and I'll have a lovely blanket that I'll put on them and I'll, I'll, I'll pick up their head very safely and I'll put a pillow underneath. They're on the ground. They won't move. And then um, I'll, I'll, so if it's a first session, I generally will do suggestions and parts mm-hmm. um, over the issue. Um, if it's something that I'm seeing them from multiple, multiple issues – all that time's taken up, you know, probably 30, 40 minutes is taken up doing all the cool stuff. There isn't a lot of time doing the therapy, but their mind is generalized. So, well, this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened. Well, that must happen that the problems change. So if they come in, it, it, I, if it's smoking, it's generally one session. If it's anything else, it's up to four sessions. They come in for the second sessions. I find out where they are, what's working, what isn't working for them. And I might do some regression, but like a timeline therapy version of regression where uh, we can get people above the event, before the event, um, and some other techniques. Just I used to use timeline therapy to clear out people's negative emotions of anger, sadness, guilt and shame and it would take a, it would take about an hour to an hour and a half to do all that with people it took too much time so then i stole some techniques from a lady called uh name escapes me right now it might come back she's a british lady and she lives in niagara uh dr yvonne Osmond, Dr. Yvonne Osmond, uh, she calls it mind magic. It's a way of clearing out negative emotions of the the four that I just mentioned uh, all in about a minute. And it it works. It works really amazing. So so I clear (laughs) clear out all those negative emotions in less than 10 minutes, all of them. So the structure is even if they don't think their problem, there's anger involved in their problem or sadness. It's like knocking the legs off of that table. So then it's a lot easier to deal with that problem. Um, obviously I'm doing direct, uh, suggestion in there as well. Metaphor, I'm doing some NLP stuff. Um, yeah, I mean it, it changes, but I just, it's, it's like, what, what tool do I need to get this, this, this problem fixed today? Which I'll tell you what I love about that the most, that from the start and even through the process as well, um, something that I've come to really appreciate is the difference between showing versus telling mm, Yeah, that I, that I think is, you know, uh, as hypnotist, Classically, we've told too much, and definitely as business people, we've told too much. Um, there's a quote from a guy by the name of uh, Derek Sivers. I think I've referenced him before. He's the founder of the website uh, cdbaby.com, which is probably what iTunes was before there was iTunes. Okay. And the phrase was, uh, if everything in life came down to having the right strategies, we would all be billionaire CEOs with six-pack abs. Yes. Which is horribly unfair because, again, Derek Sivers is a billionaire CEO with six-pack abs. But it's where there's no lack of knowledge. There's no lack of strategy. We know what we should be doing. And to sit there and talk at the client, even to talk to the client, is definitely valid. But to share the hypnotic experience with them where things are happening, things are interacting, and they're getting that feeling of the change immediately that I would – you know, if I had to make a bold statement around it, the most perfect suggestion without any magic versus the good enough suggestion with the magic. With the magic in there, it's going to become even more powerful totally. because now they've got something to hang the shingle of change off of. Because as you just rightfully said, it's an experience. And I think oftentimes we forget about that. We talk at our clients. We bore our clients. We tell them lovely stories, but they don't necessarily feel anything's happening. But when we make things physically happen with them, they feel it as opposed to just think it. They're involved in the experience. They're in the movie. They're not watching it anymore. They're partaking in it. 
and they start to feel it. And I think it's so important. I think a lot of us miss those opportunities because we're afraid. What happens if it doesn't work? What happens if they open their eyes? What happens if they don't allow their body to fall forward? What if, what if, what if? I was in the bar the other night and uh, I was on a date and I just finished working. So I had my hypnosis uh, T-shirt on and uh, I go up to get my Diet Coke and, uh, you know, I'm, a, I'm an interesting looking guy. So I've got these funky wing, rings on <laughs> skulls and these two chaps stop me like, I oh, really, like really like your rings, bro. I'm like, oh, cool, thanks. And like, where did you get them? I'm like, do you want to know where I got my rings from? They're like, yeah, 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 where'd you get them from? I'm like, wow, you know what? There's this little place called eBay, and they cost about 10 bucks. And they start laughing. <laughs> and they look at my T-shirt like, you're a, you're a hypnotist? I'm like, yeah. Like, can you hypnotize me now? I'm like, sure. Get off the store. Put your feet together. Don't let them move. And I go straight into it. And one of the guys has a, a Facebook live stream going on that I didn't realize. just starts to film it. So nice. <laughs> I get all these cool, funky, physical phenomenon. Everyone stops. Everyone watches. I've got this guy rocking back and forth. And his friend's watching it. He goes, that looks great, but I bet you can't do it with me. Great. Stand up. Put your feet together. Don't move your feet. Do it with him as well. And they're like, oh, my God, this, this, this is amazing. How did, and, and I just do magnetic fingers with one of the guys. And, you know, it's quite a simple process that pretty much works all of the time. And it blew his mind. He's like, are you doing voodoo? And he starts freaking out and running around the bar. And he comes back and he's like, actually, do you help people with physical problems? Because I saw on your card my mom has osteoarthritis. Do you think you can help her with that? And, you know, I, don't, I didn't go into it to sell anything. I just go went into it. Let's, let's let's demonstrate because I love to show off. I love to demonstrate this kind of stuff. And they they felt some magic. Like, well, well, maybe this guy can help me. And I think that now when I go to networking meetings, again, people say, oh, you're a hypnotist. Uh, oh, tell me about what you tell me about. It. I'm like, well, I could tell you or I could show you. Hmm. You could show me right now in front of all these people and all this noise. Sure, put your feet together. Don't move your feet. Yeah. And now they remember me. Forget about the business card and all those lovely words and certificates. They had an experience with me of some kind of magic happening in their mind. And now they remember it because there's a quote that I'm sure I'm going to misquote. But, you know, most of us forget the things we've been told. But if you give someone an experience that they're in, they never forget that. Yeah. The basic phrasing is that they'll remember how you made them feel. Thank you. Yeah. I'm butchering, right. I'm butchering the first half, so I didn't even bother. <laughs> no, what I'm flashing to are um, my one of my character flaws, which I'm okay with, is that if I'm in a car and I'm listening to music, I fall asleep behind the wheel. And um, that's frowned upon, apparently. So oh, really? I, <laughs> I know. So I listen. That's part of where the, the passion for all things podcasts and even stand-up comedy came into play, because it's something interactive. And I've heard so many times the, the comedian example of, Oh, you're a comedian. Tell me a joke. And the response of, that's not exactly how it works. It's more long form stories. And they're just standing there glazing over as opposed to, okay, well, these two people walk in, you know, have something at its disposal, which again, the difference of showing versus telling. Yes, absolutely. There's also something to be said about, and I've, I've explored this before when I was working high schools more heavily. Um, and I even use this principle with weight loss clients. The concept of a power statement, something that you can say that suddenly just interrupts whatever pattern is there, and suddenly you have control of the communication. 
So it's how with the weight loss client, the experience of, and there's two of them I've played with of dining out, hey, instead of this, could I get that? I'll pay extra. Yeah. You know, that that realization that they do have control or, hey, that's probably going to be a big portion. Could you just serve me half and bring the other half out to go? Big smile. I'm a good tipper. Yeah. And it always gets a smile out of the server and suddenly you're you know, you're the hero provided you've followed through. Um, you know, when working with high schools, the number of times I'd have a principal or some administrator say, you're not going to get them quiet, just do the best. And suddenly um, the simple phrasing of my job today is to make sure you all have a great time. I only can do that if you all can be the best audience. Sound good? And I stop talking at that point. And it, in a matter of sometimes even at most 10 seconds, I've got absolute focus from the audience. Yes. So that, that phrase that you use there of, I can tell you or I can show you. Yeah. Which again, suddenly that's that's the game changer. That's suddenly the pattern is interrupted and you're not the my version of the roundtable networking. I'm a banker. I'm a realtor. I'm a banker. I'm a realtor. Suddenly, oh, this is different. Yes. And that's it. For me, it's like, we, you know, from NLP, there's one of the meta programs is sorting by sameness or difference. You know, for the, in my whole life, I've always been a difference guy. You know, I just, I will go into a room and I will look for the people who stick out for some reason, because those are my people. Those are the people I want to hang out with mm -hmm. because everyone else, most people, especially these, you know, these networking meetings, they're, they're square pegs trying to fit into a square hole. Everyone, like you say, there's the realtor, there's the lawyer, there's the R-bomb person, yep. <laughs> all these. And then, and then, and then we come in there and we do what we do. And, you know, people, it's easy to forget about what they do because we've met so many realtors, so many lawyers, so many R-bomb persons. The hypnotist comes in there and they're different. They stick out. Yet we also need to do something a little extra on top of that. I, I flash back to a time where, uh, admittedly, this was the experience of a graphic designer and a printer playing with new technologies, what's called Spot UV, that only the logo on my business card is glossy. Okay. Which... I could care less about, um, but it's where a friend of mine looks at it and goes, it says hypnotist. Why do you need anything beyond that? Mm. Which just to own that role and to own that responsibility and, you know, back to the magic side of things, uh, the familiar name, of course, of Jean-Eugène Robert Houdin, exactly, uh, who was quoted by saying back, I think in the 1800s, that a magician is an actor playing the role of a magician. Yes, and to bring that into the hypnosis, that there's an expectation, again, back to the very beginning, that there's an expectation that the client, the audience member, the person who discovers this is what you do, that we need to rise and meet that expectation as well. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this has been awesome. Where can, where can people find you online, Luke? Yeah, people can find me at lukenosis.com. Luke is in L-U-K-E. My name and Gnosis is N-O-S-I-S dot com. All my information's there along with my YouTube channel and all that good stuff. Yeah, and I've seen you've been putting up some new videos up there too. We'll link to some of those over in the show notes as well. That would be lovely. Yeah, yeah. What do you have uh, coming up this uh, this coming year? So this coming year, I will be at Hypnofort which is went to my first one last year. It was awesome in August. Uh, I'm going to be giving a talk called how to bring the magic back into your hypnosis process where well, i'm going to be teaching uh other hypnotists and change workers how to actually practically put these skills um into work in their therapeutic sessions which will be a lot of fun hands-on workshop uh, and then i'm doing a post-conference 
which is how to make a thousand dollars a day as a stop smoking specialist where basically I'm not just going to teach you how to the specifics with the hypnosis that you need to use to stop people from stopping smoking which you can get anywhere um, but I'm also going to have the whole business model behind it, how you market it, how your website should look, the kind of videos you should make, how you go through sales calls, sales scripts, follow-up sessions if you need it, the whole A to the Z. So my goal is if you, when you leave that one-day training, you, if you, with the skills that you will learn here, you will start making money immediately because you will have the whole A to the Z of everything you need to do from leaving to start making money being a stop smoking specialist no stone will be unturned it's a whole business in a box outstanding i love it luke this has been fantastic thank you very much jason all right i'll see you soon But wait, there's more. Hey, it's Jason Lynette here. And as always, thank you so much for interacting with this program, for your feedback online, for your reviews over on iTunes. And to learn a little bit more about shifting this mindset towards hypnosis, what Luke kept referring to in this uh, session was the concept of redefining hypnosis, as I would phrase it as automatic response in spite of conscious awareness. So it's not just about teaching your client some better strategies. Sometimes it's going in and just creating that new automatic response, that new normal, that new way of living. So think about this for a moment. Do we want to model the change of someone else who has overcome the same problem? You know, years ago, I dropped about 30 or 40 pounds. Do I model the experience of what someone else did to drop 30 or 40 pounds? Or do I instead start living as if I was that person who never had to deal with that weight in the first place? And that was the mindset behind it. And that's really a philosophy to the change process that you'll learn inside of Hypnotic Workers. Hypnotic Workers is the entire digital access library to my entire hypnotherapy training. Rather than just give you a course on a few inductions, a couple of deepeners, rather than sell you a product on anchoring or whatever these individual things are, as we like to say, it's all about opening up the digital brain dump of everything all at once. So it becomes a huge your own adventure method of learning hypnosis. So whether it's the specific work on hypnotic phenomenon that we both talked about, the suggestibility test, putting the whole process together, kinesthetic methods for change that you will not find anywhere else, well, you're able to jump right into hypnotic workers for just $47. It's an active online community. There's new content constantly being added with interactive webinars every single month. Learn more over at hypnoticworkers.com. See you next week. Thanks for listening to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast at WorkSmartHypnosis.com.